if you follow the news closely, now in the year 2024, politically speaking, America today is standing at the crossroads, again, in a few months, that we're going to elect a brand new president. Now, given the fact that today, among the voters or American, American citizens, that we have to say that today, when we talk about the word democracy, that too often we tend to think about another phrase, which is called political polarization. Now, don't get me wrong, it's rather complicated to understand the concept of political polarization. Well, given the fact that such concept or such a structured system has built into every single area of our lives. For example, take a look at what's happening to the education today. More and more younger generations today are actually walking away from pursuing higher education as simply because it's too complicated or it is because too political. But meanwhile, we also need to understand this political polarization has also linked to what we call the literacy world and particularly related to children's book. Now, why does that matter today? And when we talk about the younger generations and we talk about the books and the literature for our children, ultimately, we want them to be informed and to understand the historical facts and also to understand what's happening today. But that's not really the case for the left or that's not really the case for the political polarization. Now, how should we understand the issue and why is it important we need to address those topics today? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, who is Mr. Jonah Winter. Again, Mr. Winter is a award-winning author of more than 40 children's books that promote social justice, facts, and artistic expressions, nonconformity, and baseball. And his books include three New York, uh, New York Times Best Illustrated books, Diego, Here Comes the Garage Bay Bar, and the Ruth Bader Ginsburg and again he's very active in expressing his views through his work well mr. winter and welcome to the missing piece thank you for having me well mr. winter I want to get started as I mentioned before initially when I discovered you because of this amazing article that you wrote which is entitled cancel culture dominates children's literature publishers and authors live in fear that self-interested activists unwilled their work problematic now i want to get started in the article you talk about one of the amazing books that you um uh, covered in the article is called Leading's Right to Vote. Let's get started with that book. What is that book about and why that book was so controversial in the article? Well, um, I, I actually, my intention in the article was not to say that that book was controversial. Mm. When I published that book, it was very well received. It's a book about a 100-year-old black woman, something who I, as a well, when I was writing, I was like 50, 55-year-old mm. white man, <clears throat> you know, at least in, in many ways have nothing in common with, but I was using something that is known as empathy and imagination and, uh, and research <clears throat> to write this book that is essentially uh, a celebration of racial justice and an examination of racial injustice. And 
it's it's uh, about this 100-year-old black woman who's walking up a hill to vote. And as she walks up the hill, she's seeing scenes from history, like all the many members of her generations dating back to the 1800s who didn't have the right to vote because they were black. And, and all the roadblocks that were put up in front of them to, uh, to vote because, because they were black. And so this, this book sort of traces her memories of these scenes from American history as she's walking up the hill. And it's a s slow climb for this 100-year-old woman to walk up this hill to the voting booth where she votes. And it's 2008 is when this is said. And it, it was inspired by the story of a real person. I mean, I, my, my story is fictional, but it was inspired by a newspaper story I read about a woman named Lillian Allen, mm. who <clears throat> the person in Pittsburgh, where it's very hilly, where I live, who was um, going to vote on on uh, you know November two thousand eight, casting her vote for the who turned out to be the first black president? So it was a book was a celebration of a lot of things and also just an examination of the you know America's troubled history and uh, with as far as racial justice goes, um, it got a lot of got a, a lot of great reviews and uh, it got five star reviews. It was. It was an award winner. Um, it, it, it was it was very celebrated. It was it wasn't controversial at all. In fact, people are still talking about it and still using it. It's still a very popular book. Well, the reason I mentioned in that in my article is because a year later, everything changed mm. with the Scholastic's cancellation of the book "A Birthday Cake for George Washington," uh, which a social media mob shut down. <clears throat> Um, through their activism with a uh, petition demanding that the book be canceled. Uh, the publishers now took note. And this, this book was uh, George Washington's, uh, The Birthday Cake for George Washington was edited by a black woman. It was illustrated by a black woman and it was written by uh, a woman of color, a Trinidadian uh, Persian woman. And so <clears throat> if a book like that could get canceled, and it got canceled because uh, many people were offended by the fact that there were smiling enslaved people in it. If that could get canceled, then uh, anything can get canceled. And I had a book at the time on, on uh, about slavery, um, and I'm not sugar-coated at all. There were no smiling enslaved people in my book. Mm. There weren't going to be. It hadn't been illustrated yet, but it had been fully accepted. Uh, the final draft had been accepted, and then I got a call from the editor on the morning that this uh, that this controversy exploded in the news about the George Washington book. And uh, and from then on out, I, I knew that he was going to cancel it, and the book was ultimately canceled. And and so, no, there was nothing controversial about Lillian's right to vote. What became a problem was anyone, especially white people, especially white men, writing outside of their identity. Because this rule went into place in the publishing world, almost like... A, I don't know if you've heard of the Hollywood codes mm. that were in place uh, back in the 1930s, uh, 40s, 50s. Well, it was like uh, it, it was like uh, it's like a code that's in place that now uh, your 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 identity has to match your subject matter. So I could not get Lillian's right to vote published right now if I tried to. I couldn't have get most many of the books I've written published right now because my identity because I. <clears throat> It's, it's ironic since I, I have devoted so much of my career to promoting diversity in children's books about pe all sorts of people who don't look like me, who don't have a whole lot in common with me. 
including a 12th century mystic and migraine sufferer named Hildegard von Bingen, who I definitely don't have a lot in common with. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, this is what I've gone my career to, and now I'm told that I can't write books like this. And, <clears throat> you know, this is, um, it's not printed, this code. It's just everybody knows it. It's stated. So that one of the big reasons I wanted to write this op-ed was to get that out there and to also let the general public know about what's happening in the publishing world. I mean, all you hear from the publishing world is about the evils of right-wing book banning. And I, I am not a fan of right-wing book banning. I, you know, I came out with a book called Banned Book, mm. which I have right here, um, which is, you know, it's, uh, it's about a book that gets removed from the school. I, I, I understand the dangers of, of uh, right-wing book banning, but that's all they talk about to the exclusion of the sort of censorship that's happening within the children's book world. So that's a very long answer to your question. <laughs> well, again, Mr. Winter, now let's go back to the answer that you just shared with us. I mean, to me, again, when we look at children's literature, I mean, again, as we mentioned before, it's important for children today to understand the facts and to celebrate the historical figures and the contributions to the American Revolution and also to the development or even, I dare to use the word, transformation of America. But today, again, going back to the article that you mentioned that more and more children's publishers now live in fear because of those activists and again, terrified of showing up on their radar with the book or author that could be deemed as problematic, a meaning out of alignment with activists, a puritanical code. Now, Mr. Winter, let's talk about this. How should we understand what is happening today to children's book? I mean, again, why is it that today when we talk about this cancel culture, when we talk about this woke culture, it's so influential to children's literature. What is the ultimate goal that for those activists or for those people who strongly advocate for those movement, what they're trying to accomplish from your perspective? I mean, you are experienced in writing and you are, again, as you mentioned before, you promote social justice and you promote diverse, uh, diversity. Why is that a problem today in America? Well, that's a, there are many things I could say in response to that, but uh, one of the first things I would say is that uh, the people promoting this uh, idea of own voices, that own, uh, you know, you, your identity must match the subject matter, and the people pr promoting the kind of puritanical ideology that I was talking about, I would say far left ideology, you know, in other words, you know, the, the, the only ideas and ideals that can get promoted in a children's book are the ones that are super far left. And, and, and the authors themselves have to be, you know, have to prove their bona fides in that regard in order to get published. So anyone who criticizes this, like me, is immediately seen as problematic. Um, the, the people promoting, I mean, they, they would say all they want is diversity. I would say what they want is actually um, uh, revenge mm. on a certain level. Um, they, they, they want, they, they believe, they believe this is a zero sum game that, that I, as a white author, am taking contracts away from authors of color. And, and I'm an old white man and we've heard enough from old white men and, and it's time that people uh, of every different uh, identity imaginable, whether that's a racial identity, sexual identity, gender identity, 
a neuro identity, that they should tell their own stories. I do not have a right to do that. Mm. And so this is, they view literature not as literature, they view it as a power struggle and as a zero-sum game so that you know, there's, there's not room for all of us to have our voices heard. No, these people whose voices have not been heard need to be heard, and you, old white man, just need to shut up and sit down and listen for a change. I think uh, maybe they would argue with what I'm saying right now, but that's, that is my interpretation. They, they advertise what they're doing as something positive, but in fact, what they're doing is the, 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 the activists who've kind of changed the way the publishing world works have, have pressured the pub publishers through, through social media threats to accepting this kind of dogma that, that is, that is uh, very much anti-white people, anti-heterosexual, anti-men. Uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's uh, there, you know, especially heterosexual white men. I should have just concluded all that in one phrase. Um, so it, it's, uh, that, that's, that's, that's the short answer to this. I mean, I, the, the essay that I got published was originally 7,000 words long. So mm. I have so many things I could say on this. It's, it's, it's it, you know, I could write a whole book Mm. Uh, in answer to your question, but that's a little bit of, uh, that's kind of, a, you know, the, the cliff notes <laughs> answer. Well, but but Mr. Winter, but don't you think that what they're doing today, it's not actually encouraging kids to read more. It's actually driving kids away from reading. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned before, as a father of two kids, I want my kids to understand more about diversity. I want my kids to appreciate that how diverse our world today and also imagine that and again i'm i i have a daughter who's three years old and i want her to understand this famous speech done by dr martin luther king jr and also uh again we're looking at the uh thurgood marshall and we're looking at malcolm x and you know all those historical figures that who revolutionized the whole world but meanwhile, I say, if I were a writer, I would love to contribute my thoughts and my opinions so that I can influence the much greater younger generations. But what they're doing today, it's killing the children from reading more or even to uh, shaming that a good author or even illustrator like you to cross the borders or cross the aisles to have the conversation. So why do you think they're targeting children's book, even to say even children's mind? I mean, I dare to ask. Is it because the political polarization today in the U.S., or is it because the country today is heading towards a wrong direction? When we look at the uh, the history, or when we look at the facts, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I what I have said, uh, and what I had said in the longer version of my essay <laughs> that didn't quite make it into the into the essay was that both the the right wing with their with their book banning and uh, the left wing with their cancel culture are using children mm. uh, as pawns in their war with each other. They, 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 they cry these crocodile tears about, oh, we have to protect children from harm because it's all about harm and how dangerous books are. Both sides, both sides talk about how dangerous books are. And, uh, you know, that's, it's just such, so, so disingenuous. And well, first of all, calling a, 
book danger, saying that children need to be protected from books is it's just it's just the ultimate big lie. Mm. Children need to be protected from guns, bombs, cars, social media, climate disaster, uh, any number of uh, any number of real things out there. They don't need to be protected from books. But both sides claim that children need to be protected from books, and they're waging this ideological and moral battle with each other, both the far left and the far right, in elementary school classrooms. Mm. And the children just sit there thinking, you know, the kids kids don't care about any of this stuff. Right. Kids, you know what kids care about? They want a good story. They want a story told well. They want a book that engages them. They don't care about <clears throat> what the author's identity is. That has nothing to do with anything for a child. This is entirely an adult war that is being imposed on children. I'm sorry if I sound worked up, but it's just this it, it's it makes me furious this whole thing. Now, Mr. Winter, I do feel the same way because again, as we're going back to say that if this is an issue among adults that we should not use children as the pun or we should not use children as the political soundbite and just to satisfy our political needs or even our self selfish needs but again i got two more questions before letting you go now let's talk about the word identity i know this is something that you mentioned back and forth when we talk about the identity today of course there's no denying that political identity is standing at the crossroads and again we're looking at this political polarization we'll look at the social changes and this economic agenda now despite what you just uh, just said let me ask you another question related to identity how much do you think this far left and far right and whatever the advocates or even the people who strongly oppose those, you know, or even support this cancel culture or the woke culture, etc. How much do they actually understand the word identity? I mean, are we talking about that when we talk about identity is who we are and we're supposed to be the way we're born into or because of this pop culture, because of this cancel culture, we are changing or we're being persuaded into this false identity today. What do you say to that, Mr. Winter? Well, I, I think, yes, you, you hit on a very important, that's a really good question that needs, it needs to be expanded on probably even longer than we have time for, but, but, Yes, the uh, the word identity now. I mean, presumably it could could have a very personal, individual meaning. Like, who? What is your identity? You know, well, it's. Let, let me talk about my whole life of what mm. I've done, and, mm. and not just the, the genetic traits that I have no control over, like the color of my skin, or you know, my color of my eyes, or how tall I am, or you know, <laughs> whether I'm male or female. Uh, the identity is now basically. Uh, being used as a word to de delineate tribal divisions between people. It is being used as something to divide people, both on the right and on the left. And uh, it, I think, for me at least, it has a pretty negative connotation the way it's now being used. It doesn't have to, like you, you, you rightly point out to that the word itself is an innocent word that, 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 that has only in recent years come to be such a politically charged word. But it's politically charged because people use it to define tribes and uh, to especially, I would say, on the left uh, more than on the on the right. Uh, it is used as a way of delineating tribes that people must uh, 
stay in, as in stay in your own lane. It, it is it is a very limiting, it's sort of a straitjacket of a word, I think, right now, the way it's being used. And it's, uh, it's, it's really unfortunate because especially when it comes to literature, literature is about the imagination. It's about, it's a, it's not to be too obvious, but it's about words. It's, mm. it's about expression. The idea that it somehow has to be limited by this political obsession with tribal identity, whether the tribe is like neurodivergence or, or uh, you know, sexual orientation or whatever. It's just, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, to, to put it mildly. It is very unfortunate. Now, Mr. Winter, I want to go back to your article. And again, this is something that you wrote, and I quote, my career will likely suffer more damage because of what I've written here, so be it. And many of the those leading the charge to cancel books and authors have done so to promote to protect their careers. Some things are more important than protecting one's own career, such as protecting everyone's right to be heard. I mean, again, I couldn't... I couldn't agree with you more, but at the end of the day, Mr. Winter, help us with better understanding. Why is it important for such an author like you to speak out? I mean, again, we're looking at how this political agenda are brainwashing children's literature or even the distorting the meaning of reading, the distorting the meaning of education. Why is it important for you to speak out and to understand, even to appreciate what if, whatever is justice, whatever it's, it's righteous to be done today? I'll tell you because, it, because somebody needs to speak out. We live in an age ruled by fear. What fear has driven this whole thing in the publishing world, the, the, the cancel culture and the, the new rules that are in place. It's fear of, a, of, of you know, a social media firestorm. And we have to all overcome that fear. And, you know, I, I myself uh, felt that I was uniquely suited to be one to show an example of overcoming this fear, to speak out against this, this uh really huge problem because when you limit that when you start putting up barriers to free speech and and by the way you don't have to be a government to do that the hollywood blacklist shows that a corporation can also very much be an enforcer of censorship mm. and what's happening in the publishing world is is the most egregious form of uh, non-governmental censorship in america since the hollywood blacklist and it, it is something that that has to be confronted, has to be talked about, and the and what I said is true. The people not talking about it are only not talking about it to either protect, protect or promote their career and their brand mm. and and uh, their reputation. And I do think, God, I hope there is something more important in this world than that than just protecting your career. I hope I, I hope that ideals such as democracy. And, and freedom of speech still matter. And that's, that's exactly um, why I wrote this essay, knowing full well the, the, the damage that's, that it's going to bring upon my head. It, it hasn't happened yet, but it will. I have no doubt that it will. And, uh, you know, it's the, the editors, the publishing companies are terrified of people speaking out like I just spoke out. And, and they, 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 they do not reward it. <laughs> You know, I will not be rewarded for this. Of course, Mr. Winter, we admire your brevity and also your boldness. 
in speaking out against those political polarizations. And of course, that today, I mean, again, as a father myself, that it saddens me to see that how political agenda is contaminating and polluting our children's minds and also, of course, that even tap into children's literature. I mean, again, as we mentioned before, you are a good author and you're an amazing author that continue to tell the truth, continue to celebrate social justice and diversity in the world that we're actually living in today. But there should be no room for everyone continue to live with comfort and to knowing that children, again, as we mentioned before, they're supposed to be informed and to be educated with good materials and also with tangible, useful, practical knowledge in order to prepare them for the better future. So I hope that more people are able to go online to check out your article and also to uh, celebrate your work. This is something that truly amazing well again ladies and gentlemen it's my great honor to speak to mr jonah winter again mr winter is the award-winning author of more than 40 children's books and again he promotes social justice facts and artistic expression non-conformity and many other topics and i strongly encourage everyone go online check out his article it's called cancel culture dominates children's literature publishers and authors live in fear that self-interested activists will deem their work problematic well mr winter thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure and we'd love to have you back on the show as we continue to discuss what's happening today in the u.s and meanwhile we really wish you the best of luck and we want to hear more from you so thank you so much for doing this